You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 19, Amy. I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion through podcasting time and space, we have Paul Gann. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. (laughs) This is Doubtfire. Okay, yes. <laughs> oh, I was not expecting Mrs. Doubtfire to appear on a Doctor Who podcast. I can, I can assure you. Yeah. That was just trying to find something. Yeah, it works. Um, well, we are between our our new Who, our new episode reviews. Uh, obviously, this week's episode on BBC and BBC America is the first part of a two-parter and we like to get both parts of the two-parters in one episode and talk about it together overall rather than breaking it up. And it also gives us an opportunity to talk about other things while the season is going as well. Today we're going to be discussing one of the Doctor's more recent companions in our we finally got back to our companion episodes. It's been like 12 episodes almost um well maybe no yeah 12 episodes almost 11 since we did our episode on rose and we haven't gone back to a companion since and it's it's about time this time obviously we're talking about amy the primary companion for the 11th doctor or the raggedy man as she called him uh we won't be getting into everything that amy does but we will be hitting uh the main points and some big uh important moments for her Spoilers. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen that, uh, I'm sure most of you listening to this probably have, though, So, but just want to let everybody know that we are not going to be dancing around spoilers too much um, in this episode, but we'll be talking about things primarily from Amy's perspective. Before we jump into this, uh, Paul, what are your overall thoughts on Amy? She's fun. She's not my favorite companion, but she'd probably be in my top ten, maybe. Something like that. But I, you know, 
like we say, those things are always subject to change. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, you know, the, the, the list changes the more I watch certain episodes, you know, so if I watch something with, uh, K9 in it, then K9 is going to be at the top. If I watch something with, uh, you know, uh, Amy in it, Amy's going to be at the top. If I watch something with Rose in it, Rose is going to be at the top. So it's just, you know, I think it's a fondness for whoever I'm experiencing at that moment, you know. Right. Amy, it, it, like you, is not one of my top favorites. Uh, I do like her. I, I don't think there's a companion I can say I dislike. Uh, well... I wouldn't say dislike. Have much <laughs> less of a fondness for it. I will go there, but that's neither here nor there because Amy doesn't fall into that category. Amy, Amy is one of those. I, I don't like saying this because no one is ever average, but she sort of falls into that average range companion for me. Although she is memorable, she's not one of my favorites, but she definitely is a memorable companion. And I'll get more into this as we discuss Amy, but. I got a greater appreciation for her as a character when I did my watch through right before uh, the mm-hmm. new season than I did the first time around I saw her. So uh, first time around I saw her, I was like, eh, she's okay. But this time around when I when I went back through and I watched uh, the episodes that she was featured in, um, I did have a greater appreciation for her, and I, I think she moved a couple spots up my list. Uh, not going to break into my top five for sure. Maybe somewhere around my top ten. But I'd have to actually formulate a top ten to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> but she is definitely memorable, whether or not she's your favorite. Well, like I said, she'd be in my top ten. She she wouldn't be in my top five, but she'd be in my top ten. You know? Right. We're not the only ones who had things to say about Amy. We reached out to you, our listeners, and a couple of you responded uh, as to your thoughts on Amy. On Facebook, Kenny Crayley Jr. wrote in and said, Amy Pond is my favorite companion of the New Who series, and Karen Gillan was great in the role of Amy. I like that she was a true friend of the Doctor and would do anything to help Eleven, and when she was gone, I cried along with the Doctor. Still miss Amy a lot. Uh, Chelsea Danielle Taylor says, I liked Amy. I just didn't like how she treated Rory. Like she would talk down to him and call him stupid until he died. And then she loved him and would be crying in junk. When she came back to life, when he came back to life, she would go back to her old ways until he died again. But I liked her besides that, but find it impossible for me to, but I find it impossible for me to completely dislike a ginger. (laughs) (laughs) So the red hair is a redeeming quality there. And then on Facebook, we have an ode to Amelia Pond from uh, one of our our guests that we had recently, Kyle Avery. Uh, He was on our uh, Season 9 preview episode, if you want to go back and listen to that. But Amy is, I believe, his favorite companion, period. And so he sent in a little ode to Amelia Pond. He says, so, why do I love Amelia Pond? Well, let's start with the obvious. She's absolutely gorgeous. Season 5 of Doctor Who gave me three things. A new favorite Doctor... Uh, season 5, excuse me, of Doctor Who gave me three things. A new favorite Doctor, a new favorite companion, and a new celebrity crush. 510 <laughs> <laughs> with flowing red hair that just Karen Gillan's uh, beautiful eyes and a cute Scottish accent. Be still my beating heart. But there's so much <laughs> more to love about Amy than just Karen Gillan's radiance. 
I love her spunky, fearless attitude. I like that she could match the Doctor in wit and attitude and, and occasionally put him in his place, but without being annoyingly bossy like certain other red-headed companion. Oi! Oi, <laughs> Kyle. Watch it. I love her loyalty and devotion to Rory. As a side note, I also love that they made Rory a strong, likable character instead of the lame tag-along boyfriend that Mickey was, although Mick Mickey's alternate dimension freedom fighter self was pretty cool. But I think what I love most about Amy is her unique relationship with the Doctor and the way their story unfolds. I was hooked from the moment we saw the Doctor helping little Amelia fix the crack in her wall. She then grew up fantasizing about this madman in his blue box and he was essentially her childhood imaginary friend. The fact that he showed up again years later to take her on many more adventures gives them a dynamic that no other Doctor-companion duo have shared. Because even though they only traveled together for a couple of years, she felt like she had known him her whole life. And as the first person the 11th Doctor met after his regeneration, he developed a similarly deep connection to her. And the end of their relationship was tragic but beautiful, as she was able to let go of her raggedy man to be with the real man that she loved. I could add more, but I wasn't planning on writing an essay tonight, and I know you guys have to get on with the show, so I'll stop <laughs> raving for now. Keep up the good work, guys. Geronimo. <laughs> that is Kyle Avery's Ode to Amelia Pond. <laughs> nice. All right, well, now that we've gotten your responses to Amy, why don't we jump into the story of Amelia Pond? Uh, of course, it's, it all starts out with uh, the first episode of The Eleventh Doctor in Series 5, when uh, a mysterious blue box crashes into little Amelia Pond's garden after praying to Santa Claus for a policeman. But she's got this crack in her wall, and she doesn't like it. It's not a nice crack. And there's this weird guy who likes fish fingers and custard who says that he can do something about it. What did you think of the fact that we met a companion as a child for the first time? You know, cause I, this is the first time I think we've actually done this, where we've met a companion as a child before they traveled. And did you think that we were going to have, like, little kid Amy traveled with the doctor for a while. I'll be honest, uh, when they first uh, introduced her like that, it never hit me that she was going to be the next companion. I guess it kind of, to me, it sort of felt like uh, another type of story like you'd get with some of the Christmas episodes where the doctor meets a couple of kids and mm. you know tries to fix a problem or whatever. And so I went into that episode thinking well, we probably won't see a new companion in this episode because this looks like a similar story like what we would get with a you know, Christmas episode standalone or something. Gotcha. You know, and then when they pulled the switch, you know, and said, uh, well, oops, he came back 12 years later <laughs> instead of five minutes. That's when it hit me. Yeah, I see where they're going with this now. You know, uh -huh. and... At that point, that's when I suddenly realized this is going to be the next companion. And I, I liked the way that they did it because, to me, it was a fresh new take on, uh, I don't want to say a, a tired setup, mm -hmm. but, you know, let's be honest, there's only so many ways you can introduce a new companion before it just becomes old hat. Right. And you when know? you've done... And when you've done a show for as long as Doctor Who has, you've probably <laughs> used all of them. <laughs> uh, 
And so I thought it was neat, you know, the way that they did it. It, it felt fresh and new, and it it made it feel more wibbly wobbly timey wimey if you know what i'm saying uh <laughs> it, it was it was just the the i think the only thing that they could have done in my opinion that would have made it any better is if they had introduced her at the beginning of that episode and then showed the doctor leave and then hey he has an entirely different separate adventure away from her and then comes back like he promises that he would and discovers oh. that he came back too late you know, I think if they had had like a story in between, that would have made it feel even more organic or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool the way they did it. You know. Yeah. No. I I liked it. Um. And I do like the fact that we keep getting, we keep going back to Amelia Pond as a as a kid. Little Amelia is the actress that got to play her, which I think she's related to Karen Gillan. I remember correctly, uh, I could I don't be know. wrong. Uh, like maybe a cousin or something. Or they look a, a lot alike. I know a little that. sister. I don't remember exactly, but I think they're related. But yeah, no, she was really good. Uh, she did a really good job as young Amelia Pond. But it was one of those interesting things where you sort of like lay the groundwork for having a companion join the TARDIS without just, you know, sort of jumping into their life and running right. away with them. But since we primarily keep up with the Doctor in the show, you lay the groundwork and then get to the good part, and then you skip to the good part right? without taking too long. And so it's like the Doctor says, I think, in a later season with, with Amy and Rory and, and when he's waiting at their house with them or something, he's like, you know, is this how normal life works? And they're like, yeah. There's a lot of just nothing that happens. He goes, oh, that's disappointing. I always skip to the good parts. Or you know, something like that. He says that. Which it kind of... <laughs> which is kind of what happened with Amy and, and getting her to join him on the TARDIS. Is because he jumps in, makes it obviously a huge impression mm-hmm. on little Amelia. And then inadvertently takes 12 years to get back to her. Meanwhile, she's, you know, seen therapists and uh, who've all told her that the raggedy man that she's invented uh, is not real, which, you know, she vehemently disagrees with. And I liked it uh, when he bursts back into the house and he's arrested by a policewoman. (laughs) Well, a kissogram. Well, sort of. Um... (laughs) Where'd she get the handcuffs? I'm guessing they were part of the costume. <laughs> they were real. <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> but yeah, and of course, we, we get introduced to the fact that Amy is, is much older. She's remembered the doctor. She's tried to move on, but didn't really... And she's kind of got this boyfriend guy named Rory who's a nurse, and that's cool, but she really likes adventures with the Doctor. And then after they deal with Prisoner Zero and the two of them help figure that situation out, he goes back to the TARDIS and then comes back two years later. So her first couple of interactions with the Doctor is just like, hey, let's do a quick adventure, and then I leave for like ever. And then come back, and then I 
we do have another adventure, and then we leave for two years, and then I'm back. <laughs> He's very apologetic, of course, but um, when she finally does get to run off with him in the TARDIS, uh, well, let's just say she's supposed to get be getting married in the morning. Right. And conveniently, <clears throat> she doesn't tell the doctor this. And the thing what, that, what did you think about that reveal? Well, the, the, the thing that, that I thought was interesting about that is she used that as an opportunity to make up her mind whether or not she really and truly wanted to get married in the first place. Mm. You know, because in her mind, she's thinking, well, I could be gone as long as I want to be gone and I can be back the next morning, you know, and... Nobody will be the wiser, and uh, I honestly think if the doctor had known really and truly what was going on, he probably would not have kept her away as long as he did. Probably not, (laughs) but it was quite a bit of time before (laughs) he finds out. Um, Let's see, is there anything of importance before we get to that revelation uh, that we want to hit? Make sure we hit. Uh, well, there is the the time of angels and flesh and stone episodes where right. she meets River Song and has that near death experience with the weeping angel in her eye. And see, I've heard people talk about you know this whole vibe of uh, will she get with the doctor? Will she get with Rory? You know what? You know this whole vibe of you know is there a romance here? Is there not a romance here? Whatever. And I'll be honest. The first time I watched it, I kind of felt the same way. But when I went back this time and watched it again, I did not feel that way. And the reason I think that I did not feel that way is because I was paying closer attention to things that I didn't pay attention to before. Hmm. You know, Um, and what I mean by that is I honestly don't feel like that she would have been as playful with River Song about are you the doctor's wife and all of this kind of stuff? If she was really and truly interested in the doctor romantically, I think that there would have been a a bit of jealousy there. Yeah. If she was really interested in the doctor romantically, you know, Hmm. And, and you didn't see that at all. It was more of, I'm going to tease my best friend kind of thing, you know? Okay. You see what I'm saying? Um, uh, huh. a lot more, like, I guess you'd say the relationship that you saw with Donna more so than than what I had seen, like say with Rose. Gotcha. You know, because gotcha. you didn't you didn't have that instant jealousy like you did with Rose when she met Sarah Jane. You know. True. True. And and so that's the reason why I say that. You know, and and also. The more I watched it, the more it seemed like to me that she just had more of an admiration for the doctor, you know, as opposed to a romantic interest in him. The the only the only inkling that I got about anything romantic is when the doctor was changing his clothes in the first episode, and Rory asked Teresa, "Are you not going to turn around?" And she says, "No." <laughs> you know? Well, although at the end, at the end of of uh, Flesh and Stone, after he's you know saved her from the Weeping Angels and he takes her back, she mm-hmm. reveals that she's getting married, but then she decides to 
you know, really like aggressively try and make out with the doctor. I think that was more of a fear thing, though. I don't think that was a real true interest in him physically as much as it was. I'm going to I'm, I'm afraid to get married, so I'm going to try to pursue something that's going to keep that from happening. That's I just could my, see that. That's my take on it, you know. I could see that. I'd have to watch it again to really make up my mind about that one way or another. But it, it does sort of give the <laughs> that you know will she won't she idea you know a little some credence anyways. It, it, right. It, but I I can see where you're coming from. Like I said, I'd I'd have to rewatch it again looking for those sort of things. Right. Uh, but needless to say, after that encounter, the doctor's like, okay, this can't happen. You're getting married to Rory, and he runs off and <laughs> snatches Rory up and takes them back to Venice, where he's like, now you two go have a romantic time before your wedding, and, you know, you, he has to remind Amy, you fell in love with Rory, not me. Uh, yeah, we have adventures, and yeah, it's exciting, but I'm not the one you fell in love with. And, you right. know, so they have to... <laughs> Well, I think that, at least for me, the vibe that I got from that scenario was, okay, I love Rory, but I wish Rory would behave more like the doctor. You Mm. know, I wish, I wish that he would have this, this charisma and this, you know, witty back and forth, you know, and, and everything. Why does he have to just be Rory, you know? kind of thing you know i think that she almost felt a little bit i don't want to say disappointed but a little bit uh almost put out with rory you know Mm. because he was just plain old rory you know right and and he he wasn't he, he wasn't you know this extreme person basically right you know. he wasn't this madman in a box exactly you know who had adventures all the time yeah i, I could see that but uh, they are forced to work together and and she does rely on him in that adventure and then of mm-hmm. course the next story amy's choice is where they get attacked for lack of a better word by the dream lord and this makes you know this is where she has to really confront those probably inappropriate uh whether or not it's born out of fear or or just uh, fear like a fear of commitment but she has to really confront the idea of well yeah the doctor's attractive great to be around but i have to actually make this choice and in the dream when rory dies she really finally gets that whole yeah no this is this is who i need to choose you know moment because she basically grabs the doctor and says well we're going to die in this dream so we can wake up in the other and the doctor says well what if this isn't the dream she says well then we're i don't care because i don't want to live if this is if this is reality. Right. And she, she, she realized this is the person who's been there for me my entire life. 
this is the person who I can't live without. Right. If you can't imagine yourself without that person, that pretty much tells you something. And so she makes that choice and ends up saving them. They figure out the dream and they're able to, you know, escape from the dream lord. Although I think it would be cool if he showed back up again. Um, it just side note. <laughs> kind of like the dream crabs. <laughs> no, not like the dream crabs. Not like the dream crabs. What if, uh, what if they were both in the same episode? Uh, that would be kind of interesting in my mind. That would be terrifying. Because <laughs> are the dream crabs real, or is he making you dream of the dream crabs? And what dreams within dreams within dreams within dreams? <laughs> we already had enough of that with the dream crabs. I don't need more. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get back to Amy, please. Oh, good, Gravy, Gravy, Gravy. Mm, anyways, good Gravy. Uh, well, and of course, you know, the minute she does go ahead and make that choice and everything, they get into this adventure with the Silurians, where at the beginning, Amy and Rory are really excited to finally got everything squared away. They're having a grand time traveling together and with the Doctor. And at the very end of that story, Rory gets swallowed up by the crack in time. And Amy forgets him. That was... I, I remember, you know, going back through on my, on my watch through, I remember going, oh, well, that's heartless. The writers are heartless. <laughs> the writers are so heartless. They have no soul. <laughs> because they, they get this all, you know, they get everything squared away, and we figure out, yeah, this is what Amy really wants. She really wants to be... Uh, around Rory. She's going to marry Rory. That's how this is going to end up. We get that out of the way and we get this silliness that's been going on done with. And we're like, yay, can't wait to see how this ends up. Can't wait for the wedding. And oh crap, now he's erased from history. Have fun, Amy. I, mean, I oh, I wanted to throw something at the my laptop but i didn't because <laughs> it probably wouldn't have survived um <laughs> what did you think about that whole See, situation it's been a while since i watched that and now i'm having difficulty remembering exactly how he came back uh, he didn't uh, come back until the pandorica episodes of course we get vincent and the doctor and the lodger episodes right. in between here but he didn't come back until the Pandorica opens. And when they go back to ancient Rome on the behest of River, and there's the army of Autons that are posing as Roman soldiers, Rory is one of them. And then at the end of it all, when the Doctor reboots the universe, yay, reboot. <laughs> Did you try turning it off and turning it back on again? Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> real Rory returned to reality oh. when that happened, you know, the day, you know, and, and Amy was sent back, you know, to her wedding day. So, and, and real Rory was real again. Uh, 
which is how that was all dealt with. But the, just the whole situation there was odd and kind of annoying because I was like, gosh, why do you do this, writers? I was just more <laughs> mad at the writers than anything else. I was like, ah. Well, I, I think that... I think that was a way for them, in my opinion, to give Amy an opportunity to become a little bit of a deeper character because they used that as an opportunity to let you kind of get into her mind a little bit more and and see what made her tick. And, and I think it's kind of weird because she keeps, at least in my mind, being kind of wishy-washy because one minute she'll be all lovey-dovey and I can't live without you, Rory, and all of this kind of stuff. And the very next minute, it's like she resents him all over again because he's not as interesting as the doctor, you know. And well, she's she call- is Scottish. You know, she's calling him an idiot and things like this and... And let's be honest, can you really and truly have an episode talking about Amy and not talk about Rory? I mean, they're pretty much, you know, inseparable. It is is very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I mean, I think think her calling him idiot most of the time is a form of endearment. But there are some times where it's definitely not. Um, but she is Scottish, and so she is prone to having a temper and ir- irrational mood swings. And I'm just sure I pissed off a whole bunch of Scots <laughs> right there, and I apologize for being an ignorant American. <laughs> uh, I, hey, guys, I'm not going there, okay? <laughs> it is funny, though, that yet again we have a Scottish companion. Well, now Jamie we have a Scottish a... doctor, but, you know. I know. <laughs> we have Jamie, then Amy. Hmm. Jamie, Amy, and then now the doctor is Scottish. So, random thoughts that jump through your head when you're talking about other things. <laughs> and I'm not the one who's ADD. Uh- <laughs> you know, just think about this. Think about if they had decided to make her a McCrimmons. Yeah, right? Oh, a McCrimmon. <laughs> that would have been uh, kind of interesting, huh. you know. Well. Just for the sake of doing so, you know. I mean, you could, <laughs> you know, like, hmm, through a daughter, maybe she's related to a McCrimmon. You never know. You never know. That would be weird. <laughs> kind of cool, but weird. Something else that I thought was interesting, too, is that through the whole thing, even though, you know, it's Rory Williams, he still calls them the pawns. Of course he does. He calls them by Amy's last name, you know, and... Honestly, I think it took a little while, but I think at first I think Rory resented that mm-hmm. because I think it made him feel a little bit less. And he already felt like a tag along as, as it was, you know. Right. Although I, there was a point, I forget which episode it was, but it was sometime after the wedding. Uh, and he goes, hey, it's the pawns. And Rory goes, no, it's Williams. It's Amy and Rory <laughs> Williams. And the doctor says, no, it's not. And Rory goes, yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's just the force of nature that Amy Pond is. Um, She, (laughs) while it may not be legal uh, in a binding sense, 
they are the pawns, not the Williamses. Um, <laughs> see, that's something else too. I think that there was never a time when Rory doubted what he had in Amy, but I think that Amy kept going back over and over and over again and doubting what she had in Rory because she also had the doctor. And I think that that is one of the reasons why it was so poetic the way that things ended up, you know, is because she, she ended up ultimately having that ultimate choice to make, you know, and Mm -hmm. we'll get there later, obviously, but I just think that the, the, the dynamic there was pretty, pretty interesting of course when the doctor resets the universe and the pandora opens and the big bang it comes down to amy basically to out of sheer force of will and remembrance to pull the doctor back into this universe because otherwise he's going to end up on the other side of the crack you know, as he's spiraling back in back on his timeline, and he, you know, makes one last visit to little Amelia Pond and tells her the story of how he stole the magic box, um, <laughs> and through some well placed clues by River Song, during her wedding reception, Amy remembers the Doctor her raggedy man and how he was actually real and through sheer force of will and remembrance drags him back into this universe if you'll notice too uh when we first meet amy as a child she says i don't have any parents and then at her wedding you see her parents hmm so there was a bit of a reboot there. Mm, the doctor, during his reboot, <laughs> fixed a couple things. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I did not make that connection until now. <laughs> huh. And see, that also you know makes you think too. Um, how did that affect everything else in the whole of time and space? Because that one change could have changed a whole lot. Right. And then we start getting into series six. And this is where a couple of things start happening for Amy. Uh, One, she's trying to have life both ways. You know, sort of a normal life with Rory. And we get some of that where the doctor leaves them at home and comes back for them every so often. And then there's the adventurous life with the doctor. Uh, and it, it, this isn't, you know, as played up as it gets to be, uh, you know, at the beginning of series seven, but it, it's sort of starts here. This idea that uh, he picks them up like every, you know, Wednesday or something like that. And they go on an adventure, <laughs> like a field trip, and yay, you know, and then they have normal life the rest of the week. But it, it feels like, that a little bit to some degree uh but of course first couple episodes they see the doctor die and he's invited them to his own death to watch it and the whole ish you know situation with the impossible astronaut at the lake there at lake silencio in utah and then he shows back up (laughs) as a younger version of himself uh, and they have to 
they being, of course, Amy, Rory, and River, have to try and figure out what happened, can they stop it, and don't tell the doctor <laughs> his own future. Yeah, I saw I saw a meme, I think, online at one point uh, that says, oh, that moment when your wife is trying to keep your wife from shooting you <laughs> by threatening to shoot your wife. <laughs> yeah. We'll get, a little, we'll get even more complicated here in a couple of episodes. But yeah, that was just an interesting thing. You know, Amy now has to figure out how to keep this secret from the Doctor, and she's never kept secrets from the Doctor, really, uh, to this point. Although the Doctor keeps secrets from her all the time. Of course he does, because, you know, rule one, the Doctor lies. Of course, that's Amy, or uh, River's rule one, I think. So I don't know if the Doctor has a rule, number one. <laughs> anyway. We then get to a couple of episodes that are really bizarre. The Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. The, uh, this is the, my next important point that I need to hit. Uh, and If you have anything else that you want to hit before then, please jump in. Good. But the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People, where we learn about the flesh. It's this sort of white <laughs> goop that becomes a perfect replica, memories and all, of people. And up to this point, there's been sort of this little weird through line of... The doctor has been unobtrusively scanning Amy, and she keeps alternating between pregnant and not pregnant in the same couple seconds. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. And she is seeing weird things where, like, this lady with an eye patch keeps showing up through panels in the walls that aren't actually there. Right. And so we find out at the end of this where we have a whole weird adventure with the the doppelganger flesh people and their <laughs> real human counterparts. The, um, Ste the Stepford people. <laughs> something like that. We find out that Amy has at some point, we don't know when, been kidnapped and replaced with one of these flesh doppelgangers. Yeah. <laughs> Amy was this ganger for the longest while, apparently. And at the end of uh, The Almost People, the doctor sort of sonics the ganger and she falls into a puddle of goop, which is gross. Uh, yes. Amy, <laughs> the real Amy, wakes up somewhere far away. Screaming because she is in labor. She has indeed been pregnant, you know, been pregnant for quite some time and uh, is in labor. Turns out that Amy was kidnapped by Madame Kovarian in association with the papal mainframe and the headless monks. Because, you know, it couldn't just be, you know, the bad guys. She's been kidnapped because Madame Kovarian wants to... Uh, engineer an assassin to kill the doctor and they want Amy's baby for that so Amy has been <laughs> imprisoned for a long time pregnant by Madame Kavarian nasty woman and then has her baby taken from her of course the doctor shows up with his ragtag army 
and they go and rescue Amy and the baby, except not really the baby because uh, the baby's a ganger. The baby's a ganger too. Yeah. And when the doctor confronts Madame Kavarian, she sort of starts to hint at this, and as soon as the doctor realizes and puts together the pieces of what Madame Kavarian is telling him. He takes off to try and warn Amy, but it's already too late for him to warn her because Melody Pond has fallen. The Melody Pond that she was cradling has fallen apart and turned into a white goopy puddle. And that really tears Amy a new one. It's dark. It's really dark. Uh, yeah. Her baby is still missing. It's been kidnapped. She doesn't know where her baby is, what's going on. She can't have any more children after this this incident due to they, everything that... They, did they sterilize her? I can't remember. She became sterile after these events. Just I forget exactly why, but the result of, of all the stuff that happened to her she became sterile. She named the baby Melody after one of her friends from high school or something. Yep. Um, Mel's, who we'll get to shortly. Yeah. <laughs> this is where things get really interesting because it turns out that you know, one of the soldiers that ended up helping the doctor, they, they don't have... It's a desert planet, and they don't have, you know, words for pond or different types of water and she made this nice little thing for the baby that had the baby's name on it and when it was translated for Amy and Rory it read not Melody Pond but River Song yeah yes folks Amy is the mother of River Song, and Rory is the father. River Song is a child of the time vortex because, well, she might have been conceived on the TARDIS, you know, uncomfortable ideas. Which, according to the doctor, made her half Gallifreyan. Right. Still not <laughs> quite sure how that works. But needless to say, she's definitely got time lord the time lord abilities of regeneration somehow she got some time lord dna in there yeah somehow <laughs> we'll leave the gallifreyan scientists to clear that one up well um, i'm just going to attribute it to the same thing that gave uh rose the bad wolf powers and go from there yeah yeah we'll do that <laughs> the eye of harmony <laughs> so now Amy and Rory have to go back and try and live a, somewhat of a normal-ish life even though their baby has been taken away from them. But not really because they just met her and her their child reassured them that she would be okay even though she's now older than the two of them. Weird. You know, only in Doctor Who <laughs> will your companion become your mother-in-law <laughs> <laughs> who at one point tried to hit on you 
Right. <laughs> Regardless of the reason. <laughs> I remember going, oh, that's interesting. Um, this is one of those situations that is best if you just sort of nod and accept it rather than try and really pull it apart because this... it's really bizarre and kind of confusing. Well, this is the interesting thing about her naming uh, her melody after her friend from when she was younger. Her friend from when she was younger was River Song in a different face. <laughs> yeah. Because the baby melody was raised. By... So she named her after herself. Yes. <laughs> she named her baby after her baby. <laughs> ah! <laughs> My brain is starting to hurt right now. Um, but yes, uh, the oh. next episode, the very next episode, uh, Let's Kill Hitler, <laughs> we run into Mel's, who is... Amy's childhood friend, who's you know one of her best friends, uh, Amy and Rory's best friends, turns out Mel's is actually an earlier regeneration of River Song, uh, who has been successfully raised by Madame Kavarian, Kavarian, to be the assassin that'll take out the Doctor. Mel's and, is, I think, at least the second uh, face of River Song. At least the second. Yes. Um, because there was the the child inside the uh, astronaut suit way back uh, at the beginning in the Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon when we first met the Silence, who, who was also um, River. But <laughs> this is this is sort of a, a weird episode. I don't. I mean, it's Doctor Who. Of course, it's a weird episode. Um, but that's why we like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this was kind of cool because um, while it was sort of this like interesting episode where River and Rory are kind of like reeling a little bit after the loss of their daughter and trying to come to grips with what is actually happening, they get to go on sort of a, a little bit of an old fashioned you know adventure. Just you know the two of them and they end up inside that um, that robot. Uh, the Tesselecta, which is a shape-changing, human-looking robot manned by miniaturized people. Uh, they end up inside that, and they're sort of, you know, on this little adventure in there, and they are, in many ways, responsible, Amy in particular, for convincing her daughter, Melody, uh, a.k.a. River Song, to save the Doctor, who she has already poisoned. In the end, Amy saves her best friend by convincing her daughter, who she hasn't seen since she was a baby, basically, sort of, <laughs> to save the doctor that she's already poisoned. Um, yeah. Who's her, who's her future husband? Yes. Who's her daughter's future <laughs> husband and Amy's future son-in-law? These were a confusing couple of episodes, and you had to really be paying attention. But it is cool. You know, it, it is one of those things where she gets to ha have a bit of a mothering moment, a very maternal moment, which is nice because 
she just had her baby ripped away from her. And she's still trying to come to grips with that. And then they go on this adventure where she meets her child and she actually has the opportunity to be a mother and to act like a mother. Um, it basically, they have to try to undo the brainwashing that was done to River because she has been, from the time she was a baby, she has been taught that this is her sole purpose in life is to, to do this. And in, in figuring out how to, to convince her you know, that she doesn't have to do this and that she can have a better life, they then open the door for her to be able to have a whole nother world of opportunity to be able to do whatever she wants to with her own life, you know? And I think that was really cool to, to do it that way, you know? Right. And then I think the next real important episode, as far as Amy's story is concerned, is the girl who waited. (laughs) And this is just another one of those, like, God, I just want to punch the writers. Because it's impossible situations with no good outcome. And they go to this place that operates in two time zones. Because it's a, it's basically a hospital, a visiting hospital, where one time zone is for the people who are sick from a certain kind of plague. And it, you know, it prolongs their life by slowing their time stream down way down and then the other time zone operates normally so that their families can come visit them and see them live out a full life basically and amy gets separated from doc the doctor and rory and they end up in different time zones and of course she is the one that's aging for years and years right. and years. I forget how many years it was. Was it like 30 years or maybe 40 years? 30, 36 years. 36 years. Yeah. She's been on her own surviving against these hand robots with uh, a captured one that she has named Rory. Um, <laughs> on her own, away from her husband, away from the doctor, and she's become bitter. Oh, yeah. She's become extremely bitter and angry about the whole situation and then of course because you know as if it wasn't complicated enough the doctor has to induce a paradox by having the young amy talk to the old amy through the you know the the time looking glass so to speak about the situation because they have to rescue amy right one of them or both of them something like that um. <laughs> See the, the the thing that I thought was funny about this is the fact that she's going off on Rory and she's like, "I've waited thirty six years for you," and and you're sitting there and you're you're thinking about the fact that he waited two thousand years for you. You know, there's a slight difference in scale here. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that Rory was in an alternate timeline, and so it didn't actually happen. Because it was rebooted and or something. Well, the viewer is thinking that, you know. Right, I know, I know, but still, it's like, yeah, he he sat, you know, and guarded a giant box that you were inside of for two thousand years, and you're yelling at him for thirty six. Of course, she has Sense no of memory scale. of it. Rory has no memory of it, but it happened. So. 
<laughs> right. You know, we had the episode earlier, Amy's Choice, and this episode is basically, you know, kind of Rory's choice. Right. At the end of the day, you know, does he want to save the younger Amy so that he can live out, you know, a long life with Amy? Or does he want to save the old Amy because, you know, she is desperate to live and desperate to start over and, you know, that sort of thing. And he has to make a choice between his wife which version of his wife that he has to save. And in the end of it, he ends up taking the young Amy into the TARDIS with him. And we get this really heart-wrenching scene where he talks to the older Amy who's locked out of the TARDIS. Uh, The TARDIS has closed itself and is not letting her enter because it doesn't want to deal with the paradox of having two Amy's in the same place at the same time. Right. And she's begging Rory to open the door. And at one point, towards the end of the conversation, as they're you know going through this drama, she says, look, if you love me, if you really love me the way that you say you do, don't open this door. Amy can't just have a normal life, can she? <laughs> no. We're just well, gonna, you know, tear <clears throat> Amy up, you know, five ways from Saturday, and you know, just expect it, her to be okay at the end of the day. No wonder she kept biting her. See, <laughs> her therapist. I, I, I think I think this is uh, one of the reasons why some of the people got angry at Stephen Moffat so much is because he loves to play with the whole time paradox thing and he loves to play with the whole story is told out of order thing and, you know uh, and some people just don't get it you know and some people well, like it, a more linear storyline you know i prefer a more linear storyline i can <laughs> i can deal with it if it jumps around but it does become much more confusing which you know sometimes that's the point of it but i guess but it's but through this entire season, you're sitting there putting the puzzle pieces together. By the time you get to the end of the season, you've got it all figured out. But it took the entire season to piece it all together. Right, which is one of the it, things that... It's all told um, out of order. It's one of the things that Moffat likes to do. Is he, he likes to have a big overall story that's punctuated by these smaller adventures. And this one was all about the, you know, complete emotional train wreck that Amy has put through. Um, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> she's, well, you know... I, I think that's one of the reasons why you see such a big uh, change in who, who her character is from her first season into her last season. Because she yeah. definitely has this overarching character arc um, where she... The character she ends up being is not the character she started out being. Well, we'll get to that overall thought here momentarily, but I do want to get to, we've got just a couple more episodes with with Amy. We start off season seven with the fact that Amy and Rory are getting a divorce, which I thought was a bit sudden and really... Well, part of that, you had to really know what came before that. You had to watch the little mini episodes that came online. I mean, it, you could follow it if you didn't, but you got more out of it if you did. Uh, the right. whole pond life 
thing, you know. It still was something that I felt was a little bit out of place because of the extreme lengths that both of them have gone to to get the other one back. But of course, by the end of it, uh, they, they've reconciled and each thought that the other one didn't want them around because they were deficient in some way. See, and Rory, Amy, Rory thought that he, from the beginning, Rory always thought he was never good enough to be with Amy. Right. And, you know, the fact that she was even with him in his mind was a shock, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Amy felt like because she couldn't have any more children or anything, she felt like that Rory wouldn't want her anymore because she because couldn't give him kids. Because Rory had always talked about wanting a family. Right. You know, at the end of it, you know, they, they basically have to fight to save each other, and they do, and they make it through, and they, they reconcile at the end of Asylum of the Daleks there. Uh, Great episode, by the way. I like that episode. <laughs> and in the middle of that, you throw a souffle girl. Um, <laughs> Which we will talk about later. Of course, that's a multiple point. Um, I don't think there's anything really of extreme significance until Angels Take Manhattan. Is there anything else between Asylum of the Daleks and Angels Take Manhattan that you wanted to mention? Not specifically, but I will say this. um, And and I've seen this a couple other places online, but this is not where I got my opinion about it. Uh, I saw those posts after this. Okay, when we get to... Angels take Manhattan. We see the result of what happens with Amy and Rory, and we see what happens to them in their final story with the Doctor. But then the episodes that came before that, where you see the Doctor going back and picking them up and taking them with him and things like that, you always get this... You know, between that first episode of that season and Angels Take Manhattan, every time that you see the Doctor come back to get them, you kind of see this hidden sadness behind his eyes. Like he knows that this could be the last time he gets to see them or whatever. You know, it's almost like he's weaning himself off from them. And so, because it seems like every time he comes back to get them, it's been longer and longer each time. Right, but here's this is this is what I believe is going on in this season, and um, I've seen this multiple times in other places online. I believe that after Asylum of the Daleks, in the Doctor's chronology, the Doctor goes and picks them up, and they actually go into the storyline of the Angels Take Manhattan. And I feel like that all the episodes that happen between Asylum of the Daleks and Angels Take Manhattan are the stories that happen after the Doctor has lost them and he's going back to before he lost them and getting the opportunity to see them a couple more times. And I think that's why he's weaning himself off of them is because... He knows it's a fixed point in time. He knows he can't change the the outcome, but he can go back to an earlier point in time and visit them before that happened. And I think that's the reason why you're seeing a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger gap between his visits is because 
that's his way of saying goodbye without letting them know what's going to happen. It's possible, but um, at the end of The Power of Three, um, Rory's father, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but that's not important, basically grants the doctor permission Mm -hmm. to take them traveling again, you know, Mm -hmm. regularly. But see, the doctor lies, the doctor hides everything. Well, that's true. But, you know... And then, of course, the very next adventure is the Angels Take Manhattan. And so I'm wondering if I'm not quite as certain as you are about the the mm-hmm. order of episodes in, in the Doctor's chronology because of that moment at the end of The Power of Three. I'd have to look at it and I'd have to, you know, well, see if somebody has put together a, a possible chronology out there that would be interesting to explore. But I think that what we're seeing in the episodes is we're seeing the order in which they happen to Amy and Rory. I don't think we're seeing them in the order that they actually happen to the doctor. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. I, so, I think the power of three has to take place chronology, cr- chronologically, no matter which way you slice it right before the angels take Manhattan though. I think that one has to take place right before, no matter which way you slice it. But, but let's get back to, to Amy. Of course, the angels take Manhattan is the return yet again of the weeping angels and she and Rory and River and the doctor are all brought together for one last adventure um, where they're reading a book that has been written by I believe Amelia Williams or something like that and it turns out to be the actual book of their adventure that they're about to have and as they keep going on the adventure they they keep referencing back to this book that Amelia has actually written from the past. You know, we, we sort of get this, like, idea of, yeah, this isn't going to end well. And, of course, at the end of it, in order to try and uh, reset things and, and stop the Weeping Angels, Rory and Amy try and sacrifice themselves themselves by jumping off the roof because the angels are after Rory and he's escaped from right. uh, the, the the loop that they put him in, that the angels put him in. And so they, they break that loop and they stop the angels and they end up back in the this graveyard that the TARDIS is at. And just, and the, <laughs> and Moffat likes to do this, just when you think the companions are safe they see this gravestone it's got Rory's name on it and a couple of dates. And he's, you know, asks Amy to come over and take a look. And she takes a look at it. And then she looks up and Rory disappears. And there's a weeping angel standing right right where he was supposed to be. Right. With its finger sticking out. Yep. Because it's just come up and touched him. And Amy notices that there's still room on the gravestone for someone else. And she has to, yet again, make her choice. Like we got way back in season five. She has to make her choice. And, of course, the doctor doesn't make it easy for her. You know, the the doctor hates saying goodbye, and he hates having his companions ripped away from him. Right. And he does not make this choice easy for her. But she is set on it. She's going to let the Weeping Angel take her so that she can be with Rory. And... 
I think the really beautiful thing in the whole scene is the fact that her daughter, River, encourages her to do this. Even though she knows that they'll be time-locked and she can't get to the past to be with them. And, of course, she steps in front of the Doctor between the Doctor and the Weeping Angel so he can't see the Weeping Angel and uh, says goodbye and lets herself be zapped back to the past. And her name appears on the gravestone. We find out that in the interim period before she passed away... She indeed wrote that book to help ensure that history <laughs> would would be able to take place as it as it did. She became a reporter, right? Mm-hmm. A journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Amy, her feisty Scottish redheaded <laughs> rambunctious self, continued to be Amy until the end of her days, uh, and lived out a long full life with Rory. In New York City, of all places. Which is funny. <laughs> for a show that takes place so much in London and the UK. Right. Uh, that we got a couple of important episodes in New York City. Particularly for Amy and Rory. Now, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they... Um, didn't they end up in the same time period? Um, uh, or at least shortly after the time period of uh, the episode where the Daleks were in the Empire State Building? Oh. Didn't they end up, like, back in the 40s? That is a good question. I think they did. Now I have to look it up. They, uh, they ended up in, in, I believe, 1938 is where Amy and Rory ended up. I do not remember when Angels take or when the Daleks Daleks in Manhattan takes place. No, they end okay, they end up in New York City after the Daleks and the Empire State Building. So they showed up in New York nine years after uh, the Daleks in Manhattan. Yes. Yes. So they, they did not see that. They did they missed it. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, at the very end of the Doctor's run, Amy, or the, the 11th Doctor's run, Amy made such an impact on on Matt Smith's Doctor that she appears to him basically in, a, in sort of a vision as he's getting ready to regenerate. Which isn't, of course, a, a true appearance of It was more of, of a memory... But, yeah, but a memory, a living memory that's come back uh, to say goodbye. And I'll be and honest, I personally would have preferred that not to have happened. It's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I it's s- interesting. It, it, it is, it's a really interesting thing that uh, we get that sort of thing where Amy made that much of an impact on, on this particular Doctor, that that happens, but... None of the other doctors have ever experienced something like that. That's why I say that. That's why I say I would rather have not seen it. You know, if he's going to remember it, I would rather than just let him remember it and not shown it on screen. You know, because you don't see that with any of the other doctors. And you right. you know that's had to have happened before. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, 
I'd have to go back and look at all the regenerations, but I feel like there's been a couple of things where he sort of sees things, people talking to him, and he remembers his companions, but uh, he's never completely, like, hallucinated someone actually coming to him in the TARDIS. Right, that's what I mean. That To that extreme. But yeah, but, but you do know that the Doctor has had, you know, very impactful and memorable relationships with some of his other companions, too. So it is a little bit interesting of this appearance. But either way, you, you cannot deny that Amy Pond is the, the 11th Doctor's quintessential companion. You know, even though Rory and, and later Clara traveled with the 11th Doctor... When you think of the 11th Doctor and his companions, Amy is always at the top of the list. Right. She's a really good character, a really you know, interesting character. I uh, I did notice the the very distinct change in the character as seasons progress, though. Uh, yes, yes, you please. Know. When you please when, give us... when you see her at the beginning as an adult even though she's been angry at him for not coming back and everything, you see that look of awe in her face, just watching him do his thing, you know, and Mm. you see that sweetness coming from her of, you know, she's just this kind hearted, you know, young girl. And then by the time you get to the end of her last season with him. Uh She's definitely more, I don't want to say grizzled, but she's definitely more tempered. She's definitely more weathered internally, you know? Uh Uh, And, and she definitely has this, this air about her. um, And it's not a confidence thing. It's more of just, this, I would say, a maturity that she probably would not have had for her age had she not gone through all of the things that she'd gone through with him. You know? Right, right. It, it, it is um, the evidence of her experience. She's experienced a lot and endured a lot. I mean, she's had one of the most tumultuous experiences as a companion that the doctor's ever had you know with just everything with her timelines being you know one thing and then completely being rewritten and then everything with her and rory and then her and her baby who turns out to be river who she's already met you know her (laughs) emotional journey is just completely all over the place and she has had one of the most dramatic emotional journeys of any companion period in the series and we talk about the doctor being a good liar and think about river she knew who amy was the moment she met her and she never let on that she knew she never once let on that there was any connection with her whatsoever and you know and so, you know, you, you talk about the doctor being a good liar. River is right on up there with the doctor. You know, she's oh, yeah. great at keeping a secret. And, you know, the, the thing about it for me, though, is Amy doesn't just see the doctor as being her friend. She sees the doctor as being her family, you know. And I think that's one of the differences between 
her relationship with the doctor versus some of the other companions relationship with the doctor is because she has that bond of family with the doctor that some of the other companions would never understand because they don't have that bond. And I I think that's one of the reasons why it was so heart wrenching to see what happened with Amy and Rory in the, the angels take Manhattan is because they were about as close as you could get to the doctor on pretty much every level. That is interesting. Yeah. She is, she did really kind of become family with the doctor, obviously literally as well as figuratively. (laughs) Good, good call there. And it's, it's also kind of interesting when your son-in-law is kind of a father figure to you as well. You know, (laughs) let's not get too wibbly wobbly. My brain can't handle too much more of that. (laughs) He he started out like being like her fun uncle kind of situation. And then he goes from that to being her son-in-law. So, you know. Right. (laughs) Any final thoughts on Amy before we start wrapping up this episode? I have a really good appreciation for the character. And like I said, she'll probably remain in my top ten if she doesn't go higher on the scale than that, uh, she's she's going to be one of my favorites probably from now on. And I think that Karen did a really good job playing the character. Um, she's mm-hmm. an extremely good actress, you know. Um, and she has the chops to pull it off and make it believable. And so there, there was never a time in any of the episodes where I looked at her and said she's acting you know it it was always believable for me like I said at the beginning uh, not one of my favorites but I do really enjoy the character more than anything she's memorable to me you know more you know rather than you know oh one of my favorites this or favorite that's she's memorable she you can't avoid Amy which she wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> well, I think that she would be higher on my list if it weren't for the, the the situations where she could be just outright mean to Rory, you know. And and I just had a hard time getting past some of those situations um, because he was always faithful and kind to her on every. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think sometimes she took that for granted. Right, but in the end. In the end, she rectifies all that, and they have a wonderful life together. Like I said, one of the more memorable companions, and I'm still a little bit amazed that she's not in some, you know, asylum somewhere because she's gone insane from all of the different, (laughs) you know, ravelings and unravelings that happened to her while traveling with the Doctor. All right, well, I, I think that just about does it uh if you want to get in touch with us about amy if you want to set the record straight if we were too mean to amy or if you agree with us uh, feel free to, to talk to us on our social media on facebook facebook.com slash talking time lords you can tweet us at at talking time lord or email us at talking time lords at gmail.com of course that information along with all of our uh episodes and everything else that you can ever want 
about Talking Time Lords is at TalkingTimeLords.com. It's bigger on the inside. <laughs> Anything else, Paul? Just looking forward to the next episode, man. Uh, yeah. The, I, I'm, I'm enjoying these two-parters uh, for a couple different reasons. One, because we get more story. Uh, but two, because we have an opportunity to be able to talk about these subjects in between. Um, and, yes. And it makes it, it makes it fun to be able to break it up. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, as Paul alluded to, our next episode will be our review of Under the Lake and Before the Flood. So look forward to that. And after Before the Flood has aired, please give us your thoughts on those two episodes. We'd love to get your your in, uh, interaction here on the show. If you have any questions that you want us to address or you just comments you want to share with us, we would appreciate that. Of course, you can do that at our social media. Also, um, do not forget to put a review on iTunes and Stitcher. We really need those those reviews and we really need you to give us like really good ranking. <laughs> we're not we would we're greatly not, we're not too proud to beg. <laughs> no. We definitely would appreciate uh, the kind <laughs> words on iTunes and wherever else you find our podcast. We'd really appreciate it. And if you find us somewhere else besides iTunes and Stitcher, let us know. Uh, we would be interested to, to go and read those. But anyways, I think that that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This yep. has been episode number 19. Amy. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Later. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. That's a wrap.